Hello, and thank you for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. The Teaching Math Teaching Podcast is sponsored by the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators. The hosts are Ava Thanheiser, Dusty Jones, and me, I'm Joel Lamadon. Today, we are talking with Dr. Thierry Elin Saintine, who is an assistant professor of mathematics at Stockton University in New Jersey. We are talking to Thierry because he wrote the book, Racial Inequality in Mathematics Education, Exploring Academic Identity as a Sense of Belonging. Welcome, Thierry. Do you want to take a, a minute to give a little bit of introduction beyond what I already said? Uh, sure. Uh, thanks for this, Joel. And, and again, thanks uh, for the invitation. Um, so, so yeah, so I was fortunate to, to um, have a book published recently, um, and we'll probably kind of revisit this, but the book is based on um, data collected during um, my dissertation phase the last couple of years. Um, so I spent about, uh, about a year um, with a group of students in a Northeast, uh, in, in a school in the Northeast um, section of Philadelphia. Um, so a lot of the insights and, and stuff, uh, arguments um, that I develop in the book came out of these observations and interactions with students. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really uh, obviously happy because it's a publication, but also happy uh, because I, I, I felt like I was so privileged to be part of these amazing conversations and insights I was learning from students. And uh, I'm happy that perhaps others, especially uh, in-service teachers or pre-service teachers, can also uh, now have access to these conversations. Because oftentimes, and, and um, one thing I think is missing a lot, especially in math education, is uh, we don't take enough time to capture um, and, and include students' own perspectives and voices in our analyses and, and in our um, you know, um, ways of talking about teaching and learning mathematics. So I was happy that I can do some of that and hopefully others can benefit from it. Yeah, no, I was excited to to see uh, to see the book and haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I got a chance to. Amazon has a pretty good preview, so able to see and, and look at a lot of a lot of it. But um, what was cool is you know getting the you know getting the back and forth between us and thinking about how you've interacted with um, with math teachers. So maybe you could just share a little bit about any of your your experience teaching mathematics and any any of your work with math teachers. Uh, so, yeah, um, I, I kind of, it's kind of interesting. I kind of fell into, I really was a stumble uh, into <laughs> math <That's> education, <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the, the, the correct term there because, um, um, and I don't want to get into all of my biography, but I mentioned a little bit of it in the opening of the book and the foreword is that uh, I kind of have a somewhat of not a very traditional path into uh, both academia and also math ed. Uh, I have degrees in, in, in theater as a, as a bachelor's, degrees in creative writing and literature. Uh, so these were all before I even considered teaching mathematics. Yeah. And, and, and But I always had an uh, interest and, and love for it. Um, uh, so um, I, I got a second math degree um, when, I, when, I, when I seriously considered doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I kind of fell into it. My first job, actually, um, was for a charter school. Um, and I was a math specialist. So the definition of the role was both to support uh, students, it was an elementary school, uh, and also provide support for teachers. And, and that I think that's when it started kind of becoming clear to me uh, that there's a whole lot of assumptions we're making about 
and I think because I did not come from a traditional math background or math ed background, it was easier for me because of the distance to mm-hmm. observe and be able to see some of these assumptions that we're making both about learners of mathematics and who can belong to this community of doers of mathematics. So I think that started kind of early. I don't know if I had the exact phrasing then yeah, as yeah. a math specialist, but I know the germ was like the seed was planted there uh, in, in working with elementary school teachers uh, and many of whom like, you know, well-intentioned and great people, but were so comfortable and often in front of students to say, I'm just not a math person, mm-hmm. uh, which was fascinating to me uh, uh, that people were so comfortable um, saying this uh, uh, right before teaching a course or, or a lesson on fraction or something. Uh, so I, I guess I was interested and wanted to know more about yeah, yeah. what is that about? Well, that reminds me of like, um, yeah, well, I mean, we've heard it before all the time, but like Bob Moses does a good job of talking about his book, Radical Equations about that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no one before the reading lesson to be like, well, not a reader. (laughs) (laughs) Not really a writer. Let's diagram some sentences, but you know, right. right, It's not my thing, you know? And so it's, it's one of those things when you put it in that different perspective, it's like, Oh my God. And and you're coming in and be like, why would you ever say that? (laughs) 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 Dusty goes in front of his uh, calculus. Not really a calc person, but (laughs) not really. Before we get too deep into this, I, I will say uh, I'm excited to meet another person who's interested in theater, uh, Thierry. Mm. So I was a, I was a, when I was in high school, I went on a college visit and said, I want to be a double major. Oh, what in theater and math. And uh, they did not know what to do with me. So I lasted about a year and uh, then dropped the theater major uh, oh, to, to follow math, but still, still enjoy theater. I'm going to see my daughter in a play this weekend. So. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Sorry. I said my son was in a play last week. So oh, okay. okay. So it's a whole theater family. Welcome to theater <laughs> talk. Uh, <laughs> so I, I did the opposite. Uh, I was an engineering major when I started uh, undergraduate. Wow. And then I dropped all my engineering courses and then switched to theater. And, and I remember the conversation, every professor, because you had to go with that slip so you could sign the drop yeah, form. Yeah. Do you know the percent of people employed actors? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and then the, did you have any, anything else you want to add with any of your experiences to, and maybe even what you're, you're currently doing in your uh, current position at Stockton? Uh, sure. So um, from that first position, when um, it, it, it became clear or something was off there, uh, people were a little too comfortable mm-hmm. one giving into this notion that there exists map people and then that they're not map people uh, uh, and then two, um, kind of like the, 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 what I felt like was a very uh, kind of constrained uh, set of experiences that students were being put through in, in math classrooms. And I would argue K through college uh, in terms of there's a very narrow um, ways that mathematics is being presented to them. Um, so, um, and, and then I became a high school teacher and this is a kind of... Um, uh, part that's kind of ironic is I, I probably was doing the same stuff I resented in those mm-hmm. teachers that I was observing, right? Um, I became a math teacher in high school. Uh, I only lasted about a year um, simply because I just could not do it anymore because I, I felt like I was simply telling students things they already knew. Uh, like they, you know, they were already juniors and seniors 
I was teaching trigonometry, geometry, and, and pre-calc, and um, I was just giving them grades and, and, and affirming things that they thought were true about themselves. And I wasn't providing uh, them any tools that can challenge some of those assumptions uh, about teaching math and, and learning math. So uh, that's why I left and pursued a PhD, because mm-hmm. I wanted to understand better uh, um, this conflict within me, because I, I do love teaching and I do love teaching mathematics. Um, just like I love teaching other education courses as well. Um, but I wanted to understand better. Uh, uh, and I'm still a work in progress. Uh, like right now, I, I don't know if I'm totally, um, you know, uh, free of uh, presenting students with, with kind of constrained experiences in math mm-hmm. either. And, and part of it is my own, again, still development. And part of it is some of the real um, um, challenges at the institutional level that we were faced, right? When you when you place pre-calc as this gatekeeping course that right. students cannot move on uh, to other things, then it, it create a really different kind of set of experiences because then you push against this in terms of trying to get students to pass these courses. Uh, uh, so, so I think, uh, um, you know, if I get a chance to write another book, I think the focus is going to be more on the kind of existing structure, the way we use math, almost as if it's the only true measure of intelligence or, mm-hmm. or only only measure a few deserving scholarships or not, right? Uh, and we, we do this in places that it makes no sense <laughs> to do that, right? Um, and I, I know I'm saying a lot, but I think a good example I like to use when I can uh, is my wife, my uh, partner, who she was convinced she was going to go into medical school to become a doctor. In, in high school, that's what that was her calling. She wanted to do this, and she went to University of Pittsburgh, uh, uh, Pitt. And the first semester, she had to take Calc one and all that stuff, and she dropped out of med school. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and and I asked myself every single day, uh, if you were to round up, you know, the best physicians in the world and give them a Calc one exam, how many would actually pass the exam? So why do we do this to students? Why do we put them through? these courses as a way of filtering people when it doesn't seem to have direct connection to even their own professional aspirations. So that, to me, that math as a higher status thing needs to be challenged more. And I don't think enough of us are doing it. Yeah, absolutely. You're getting a lot of uh, fans from my calculus <laughs> students who are <laughs> pre-med majors right now, I think. Um, yeah. It, that it, goes, it, oh, go ahead, Dusty. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say it, 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 it's one of those places where I'm not sure that it makes sense that we have math as this gate to go through. Um, am I, am I glad that my doctor is intelligent? Yes. I want my doctor to be intelligent, but I don't know that it has to be through this particular pathway. Yeah. So there's things that's happening in the classroom and then there's things like systemically that we're doing too. So like, how do we look at both of those, mm-hmm. you know, both in inside the classroom and then outside the classroom, what the role is. And, and sorry, and I try to do a little bit of that in the book. Um, um, I last couple of chapters, um, I, you know, I don't know how successful I was, but I, last couple of chapters, I, I try to really look into math ed itself as a as a body of knowledge, as a tradition uh, or a culture, if you will, uh, and see that all the shifts that are taking place in the last century, how most of them were typically um, in terms of maintaining this country's global dominance. 
uh, 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 or this fear that we have that we don't have enough quote unquote skilled workers to fill in mm-hmm. these positions. So, uh, and, 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 and other people have rejected these arguments as really don't, they're not really, uh, that's not the real reason. So, uh, I think, I think it is, it is time that all of us, especially those of us teaching in those university, at those, at those universities to start reflecting and pushing against, if we can, uh, some of those uh, practices and, and policies that they're just there. No one, <laughs> as far as I know, giving me a good explanation for why we haven't. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So thinking about, I mean, it feels like you're on this journey to, you know, where you had the experience teaching high school mathematics and then wanted to learn more. And and so maybe you offer some perspective on this, uh, some of that perspective that you gain by doing your doctoral work. So thinking about, you know, what would, what advice would you give back to Terry? That was the uh, high school math teacher, like given your perspective now, like what, what things would you want, uh, your previous self to know? We're getting kind of meta here though. Yeah. So I saw that question and I, it kept me up at night, but no, that's not true. <laughs> Actually, my kid is three. He's the one who kept me up last night. Um, so um, I actually don't know if I have a good advice, but, but, but I think one thing I would say, um, and these are things I think every teacher can control, is that the things you actually do say to kids, they do matter. Um, you know, um, and I was reading recently, and that's something we all do probably, especially in math. Um, you know, if you're going over um, a lesson that either was taught before or you assume they should know and phrases like, oh, this is easy or we'll do this very quickly. or this, mm-hmm. So little stuff like this. And, and when you have a student who's already ha- had you know, negative experiences in math and they hear these comments and they may have a question, well, why would they ask the question now? If you said that they, this is easy or they should have known it or, you know, so little things like this. So I think if the advice I would give myself is to be more intentional in the kind of speech I use, if my goal is to make sure that more learners feel included in the classroom. So that's something I didn't even, I wasn't even conscious of when I was teaching is making sure that people feel like they're part of this uh, and that also struggle should be welcome. Like it's part of the process when you struggle. Uh, another myth that's connected to the idea of math, of, of math people is that if you're a math person, it should come easily to you. Like the, the, the second you struggle is a sign that you don't belong here. Uh, so these are things that doesn't really require any actual pedagogical thing. It's really just in your uh, everyday interaction with students to kind of get these little messages. And that's something I wish uh, I knew how to do uh, early on, because I feel like not that it's going to save anyone or make anyone feel like they can do math, but at least it gives them a different perspective that there's nothing wrong with you if you're not able to figure out the second derivative of this particular, you know, that it's not, there's not something wrong with you. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and this is, I, when I was you know, reading some of the stuff about the book and thinking about this idea of being a doer of mathematics and even the idea of struggle, um, uh, some friends of, well, colleagues, uh, I, Dr. Ann Monroe and uh, Candy's Cook, we've been working on some stuff about, and we basically call it celebrating the struggle, right? And like yeah. making struggle a valued practice. Because as soon as, you know, at least from my my own experience, when you struggled, it was like that it was like, like you had to slide your car, your, your, your math doer of math card across the table and like, oh, I'm struggling. You don't deserve that card versus right. like, no, no, that's actually like, 
one of the roles of having that card is to, you know, to struggle, um, to think about like, how do I, or, or to value those experiences. And then even into, in, into a classroom, just to have some phrases ready to go, wow, I saw how hard you worked on that. Or like, you know, you came really close, like just valuing those practices versus like, you know, the, the kid that just gets it right away. Well, you know, maybe we're only offering one way to look at it. And so mm-hmm. that's, I don't know, like that celebrating the struggle. That's, that's something that um, I've really been thinking a lot about lately. So it was good to see it in your, your work as well. Thank you. So any, um, any other advice you'd give your previous self or. Um, so um, probably kind of related to the uh, embracing the struggle piece uh, is also make clear to students that, um, and this one is a hard one to do. Uh, and even now it's very hard when I'm talking to college students to make them believe this, uh, but that their grades or grade they get in a particular exam or math course is not a forecast, nor is it any indication of what they can or cannot do or where they can actually go and not go, right? Mm -hmm. And this one is a harder sell because of what I mentioned before, the way we structure things. I think it becomes clear to students by high school that math is the ticket to almost everything, right? Uh, even if you want to go into nursing or you want to go, you know, even when you want to go major in art, uh, most schools you go to, there's this math course you need to pass before you can actually go into do things that not are not quote unquote naturally. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's a harder sell. But I, I think uh, if there's a way we can make students know, because I think it's part of the struggle, kind of a dissociation between the grades you get versus the kind of experiences that you're having, the learning experiences, and to value that more over uh, numerical value or, in, or whatever letter grade you get. Uh, so to me, that's an important co- uh, conversation, especially in mathematics, that, that mm-hmm. we need to have that and, and for students to really um, make the experience center versus the grade, right? Um when I get a chance to talk to teachers, I say one phrase I, I hate using and I don't like hearing it. It's when people say things like an A student or a C student, because it seems like the grade is the most important thing about that particular learner, uh, uh, which it shouldn't be. And also the grade isn't fixed, right? If you get an A today, you could change that to a B or it could be a C, right? right? right. And also not every grade is created equal, a kid who's... A single parent and juggling five, six, you know, three, three jobs and get a C. It's that's not the same C as someone right. who doesn't have the. So, you know, um, um, the conversation around grades that's something we should be having throughout schooling, uh, but I think especially in math. So that's the second advice I would, if I could give it to myself, is make sure that those juniors and seniors know that the grade is not a forecast of anything. Uh, it doesn't say anything about your intelligence or what you can or cannot do. Yeah, I would assume also to some of those same, you know, if someone's using those, that language, then that same language could be like a barrier between seeing some brilliance from a student that you don't, that you give it like, oh, this, I gave this student, I called this a C student. They can't do something as brilliant as what I'm just seeing. Like, and you're missing it. You're missing it because you've already pre-labeled and pre, uh, pre-decided some things about that student based off of, like you're saying, that artificial grade. But um so one thing we we like to think about with um, you know folks that are, are diving into this uh, into this work is you know you, you mentioned some things already you like 
author, you need to put in the book out, you're teaching mathematics at Stockton University, you're uh, you have a, a partner, you have a child, like it's all those things come up. So how do you get things done? Just that's always a good thing to ask just from folks that are looking at they're starting this world and everything's coming at them. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you get things done there? Uh, yeah, that, that's also a tough one. Um, uh, you know, I, I was actually thinking the other day, um, before I even saw your question, uh, when the book came out, like the physical copy and, um, I was thinking of, well, when did I actually finish this? Cause it just feels like it's been so long. <laughs> um, and, and for me, uh, I signed the contract a couple of months before our kid was, was born. Uh, so it just been really foggy the last few years. So I have no idea what was work, what was being a parent. Uh, so I, I don't know if, I don't have a formula. What I do know is uh, I'm probably one of the slowest writers ever. And I think part of it is because of my training as a creative writer. Mm. Um, I, I tend to over kind of labor, um, like overthink and over, um, you know, um, spend too much time on on just putting words together. Uh, uh, and, and I know it's, it's, a, it's a probably a, a consequence or, or a, a direct relationship to my training and, and poetry and that kind of stuff. So uh, that I know it's a minus for me. It takes me a very long, long time to get uh, a draft uh, draft done. So if it were up to the publisher, this book would have been out maybe a year and a half ago, but it took me a while um, to actually get through it. Uh, and still, and this is a part I'm, I'm sure you guys can relate to this. Um, still now when I, when I look at it, I, I mostly see things that I wish I had spent more time. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely i i noticed those things i'm like oh why did i whatever i don't want to say them out loud right now because i don't want anyone else to notice them but. yeah dusty do you have anything you wanted to add in uh, well i um yeah, i was just going to ask that same question uh probably in the same way as you joel so maybe <laughs> one of us is uh is not necessary in this podcast but <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I guess really, I'd like to maybe move to thinking about the book yeah. and if you could tell us about, I'm just saying, I'm going to say the title, uh, racial inequality in mathematics education, exploring academic identity as a sense of belonging. So, um, you told us a little bit about the, the process and the timeline, but, uh, and it was based on some of your dissertation work. Is that right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That you uh, had there. Yeah. Uh, so, so um, is there, is there more backstory, uh, origin story about how that came to be where you, uh, I, I'm guessing you were not the teacher of this class, but were you observing students in a school or several schools? Can you, can you kind of give us the backstory of that? Right. So, uh, it was, uh, just one school and one classroom. Um, and this is where, um, um, I'm probably going to mess up the timeline because I don't remember exactly what came first. Uh, but, uh, I discovered uh, Danny Martin's book, which also was based on his dissertation, um, and, and the title is escaping me, but it came out in 2000. Um, and I just remember reading the introduction, I'm like, oh, th these are the things I wish I knew <laughs> when mm -hmm. I was teaching. Uh, so I know he was the uh, definitely the inspiration for at least starting thinking that way. Uh, and then I began, I, I began the, uh, um, uh, being really interested in the notion of identity, um, but both as a personal um, kind of quest for making sense of both what I was doing professionally and, 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 and in terms of race, 
uh, and the many kind of mostly white spaces that I typically work in uh, and interact with. Um, so, so I, I wanted. So, uh, I'm saying all this to say that the other thing I know that was probably the driver for this book is I also know in my own personal experiences when I, and it still happens today when I meet people, and I mentioned this briefly, I think in the book as well, um, when they ask me, what do I do for a living? And um, I would always try to edit the response to make sure I'm giving them a response that would not cause as big of a disbelief because I knew it was coming. It was just a matter of me trying to couch that disbelief in a way that it was more palatable for me. Um, okay. So I wouldn't come out right away and say, I'm a, I'm a college professor, even still today, right? And talking about identity, uh, that's something probably in casual conversation I wouldn't say. I would say, I, do, I teach college, uh, or I teach college math, I would say, right? And so I know if I was having this kind of struggle in claiming this identity, which I'm part of and I'm doing, what is it for students, right? If there exists this label of a math person uh, and, and we're told that it belongs to white and Asian males. And, and so what is it for the students who don't look like that? And when they're struggling on top of all the stuff we talked about, how is it that makes sense then of uh, being able to do this? Uh, so I think that these kind of are both experiences and both discovering that book was kind of the reason why uh, and I purposely looked at kids who've had success in that. I didn't want to continue this narrative of failure for, for mm. black and brown kids. Yeah. Uh, so they were all honor students. All were um, uh, had their uh, all the requirements and for graduation. Um, and some of them, one was like finished third uh, in the um, annual science fair that year. Uh, so there were kids who were highly motivated to be successful. It's just that it's it's just that when it came to math, something was a little different. <laughs> the story was different from that. Yeah. So, what are some of the key points that uh, you want teachers to get out of this uh, this uh, this book? What what are some things that I guess we could share with our listeners here, whether they're new teachers or whether they've been doing this for a while and and uh, <laughs> are are ready to think more carefully about some of the messages that they're sending. And teachers of teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Too. Uh, so I, I would say we all need to place greater importance on the identity work that students do uh, in our, and in all of our courses, but especially in mathematics for the reasons we talked about before, um, because that's crucial. Uh, and so because of that, in, in light of that, in light of this, so what I, I think uh, uh, there should be more of, uh, especially in teacher training programs, is ways to um, train teachers to be better at providing students experiences that actually make that work more um, clearer to them. Because I don't think students are often conscious that they're actually going through this identity work. And if there are, there are readings and stuff they can actually do in addition to the practices, uh, I think that may do uh, some of the disrupting that we all wish that we see. Like then students could, could start disconnecting grades and, you know, being a learner of mathematics, they don't mean the same thing, right? Uh, struggle, disconnect that with, can I belong to this community? Uh, but I think students cannot do that, on, on, you know, by themselves if we keep teaching in math as if it's neutral or, you know, as if it's in a bubble, uh, or some sort of universal set of knowledge that everybody can, you know, uh, can just do. 
so I, I think that that is to me um, what I hope I get to do more of whatever the next professional chapter uh, is working with people to really create those experiences um, for students. So how might you see um, math teacher educators using this book in their courses, professional development, you know, and po possibly even what you did with Danny Martin's book is thinking about, well, what might be the next thing that people should explore? Um, so, so I, I, I don't want to kind of repeat what I, what I said, but, but I think uh, that, that would be, that would be probably it is um, just the recognition of how important um, identity is um, uh, and folks to, to all of us, right? I'm actually right. just before coming here, I, I teach a course to first year students uh, around identity. It's not math connected. It's just really exploring because I think there's this notion that it's a settled thing. It's a fixed thing that we have. And people like to use phrases like, you know, um, I know who I am kind of thing. And, and, and uh, but the more you, you, you dive into it, the less, you know, you understand about whoever that I uh, is. Um, just like you asked me before that question to look back at myself. Uh, so th that kind of uh, practice and activity, I, I wish that was more common in our teaching of mathematics, just reflection as a learner, reflection and experiences, reflection, uh, um, both for the teacher teaching it, the math, like, you know, um, if you reject labels like math person or what that kind of stuff, if you reject that, then what is it that is your role as a teacher? Because oftentimes when, when we teach math, it seems to me, we try to justify the existence of math people, right? Uh, to me, that's what we do in, in, most, in most courses is we quickly, without saying it out loud to students, but we're figuring out who's in the class or math people who's not in the class and they get the grades according to that and, and so forth and so on. Uh, and they get the uh, treatment according to that. So uh, if you're a teacher, you reject that label, then, then what is your function then teaching mathematics? And then what is it that you're doing in the classroom? Um, I've seen some things, uh, signs, memes, whatever that, that say, you know, essentially everyone is a math person, you know, how, how to be a math person. Number one, do some math. Number two, be a person. Um, mm. and, and I, I think that's a superficial maybe treatment of it. It, it is a meme. I mean, I'm not expecting, you know, great, uh, things from that. But I hear something a little bit different uh, in, in what you're saying. It's not, let's just paint everyone with the same brush, but really let's look and see what uh, interests are, what, uh, um, the, to borrow the word from Danny Martin, what the brilliance is in, in these students and how that fits in and how that uh, lives within the world of doing mathematics and maybe different than what school mathematics is is uh, typically, um, so I, I like the fact that you're thinking maybe a little more deeply and less superficially. If we just reject the term of if there is a math person or if there is not a math person, I mean, someone can enjoy math and be good at it or enjoy it and maybe struggle with it. That doesn't mean that either one of them is more or less a math person. And and, um, and I'm glad you, you brought this up. Uh, Recently, I, I gave a, a talk at um, um, the group of grad students at, at, at Penn, and 
that's one of the things that, um, and I think they're all pre-service teachers. That's one of the things that someone brought up. And I think they had just done a project kind of especially, essentially what you just mentioned, that everybody's can be a, a math person. Uh, and I think they, want, they wanted to ask me how come I didn't frame my arguments that way? Why the rejection instead of the embracing of it? Um, and I don't know if this is a good answer, but my answer is, and I, and I still stand by this, I think, um, is that the label math person doesn't come without a history and a tradition. Mm. Um, uh, so, and, and that's what I was trying to, and which is why I think rejection is the best approach because you, once you acknowledge that it exists, then you also, I would imagine, have to acknowledge that a lot of the history of exclusions of a bunch of, of women and, 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 and racialized people who were never part of the, that community, you also have to acknowledge that history. Then how do you make sense of that history then? Uh, uh, you know, so to me, that that seems to be a harder thing to do than to say that that never existed. Uh, uh, that there's no such thing. I mean, at least biologically, we can't prove someone is more prone to do well in math than not. Uh, so, so then if you reject it, then I think you automatically are forced to consider other possibilities, other ways of making sense of why there's a racial gap, right? Um, so that, that's probably why I went with rejection as opposed to embracing that, that label. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I, I don't mean to get myself in trouble um, when I say this, but if, if we just say everyone is a math person, that reminds me of an argument that I personally reject that, you know, I'm I'm colorblind. I don't see mm-hmm. race. That's mm-hmm. that's not helpful gotcha. um, to to just then negate everyone sure. um, and and say that. So I think uh, rejecting that term of being a math person because we want to think deeply about what does that actually bring with it right. um, is is more helpful in that reframing. I, I'm growing today. Like this, is, I'm learning some <laughs> things from you, Thierry. Talking just now. Um, about myself and my journey well, thanks, as a math teacher. <laughs> yeah, the th- and just saying that the, I love the way you, it, this is not a visual medium that this is going out, but like you know, seeing the the thought that you're putting to these responses, and then even to, th- to say like, you know, I, I I think I think that you know, like that that sort of perspective and on this that none of us have this figured out, and I think as soon as you know, we all got our doctorates, I think we all get a big case of imposter syndrome because you're like i don't need i just got affirmed at all the stuff i don't know (laughs) and things like but that figuring this out and then offering these perspectives and then and then wanting to learn more and so i think this book and i'm excited um i've got it ordered on amazon right now so there we go it's coming Uh, (laughs) but uh i know that we're going to put links to uh to purchase it in the um in the show notes in case of other people want to get access to it or even to recommend, you know, for those that are at higher ed institutions to recommend to your people, to your libraries, to pick it up for the library so that others can, can uh, take advantage of it and see these different perspectives. Cause I think there's, there's the, the value of the stories. And I think you started, you started this conversation with that thinking about the stories and the perspectives of the students that are captured in the book. And that's, that's about as valuable as it gets is hearing from them and seeing what their experiences are versus, you know, I think, a lot of people have ideas that they share, but then it's drilling down to like, these are the stories that these ideas are based off. That's, that's, that's powerful stuff. So thank you. Anything else you want to promote or share? Are there, are there opportunities or? Um, so um, I don't know if I, I could say this. So there, there's a, well, maybe not actually, it's because I don't have a date yet. I was going to say there are a couple of other 
talks I have, but I, I don't have dates. So I don't want to mislead people who give numbers, but you have give dates that aren't firm yet. So, I'll... well, if there's ever any um, any links to things, we can always put them back um, into the show well, notes. Thank, so thank you. All of a sudden, they'll magically appear, and <laughs> so people hear this maybe a, a month or two from now, and they'll be able to access something. So, but uh, thank you for your time. Thierry, this has been a, a great uh, conversation and uh, looking forward to uh, having more people get access to the book and the ideas contained within it. So thank you. And I'm happy. This was really great. Uh, it's not often you you get to, you know, have rich conversation about, about your works. And that, that's always uh, I'm sure you, you know what I'm talking about. So that that's great that that happened. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to come back whenever. Uh, 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 and this was fun. So thank that's, you. That's awesome. That's yeah. a, that's the secret of the podcast. We get to have these awesome <laughs> conversations. So yeah, it's great yeah. for other people. It's just Wednesday. We get to have a great, <laughs> a great conversation. So thanks again for listening to the teaching math teaching podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And we hope that you are able to implement something that you just heard and take an opportunity to interact with other math teacher educators. And speaking of interacting, what do you want to hear about in an upcoming episode? Who do you want to hear from? Let us know through the virtual suggestion box. Find it at the contact, contact us page at teachingmathteachingpodcast.com or in the show notes for this episode.